You're listening to the Blue Box podcast, and instead of a theme music this week, we're going to observe a few moments of silence for the children of Manchester. Right. <clears throat> Nick Knoll says the tragic events in Manchester have completely overtaken any desire to comment on this week's episode, as intriguing as it was. I wanted to write to express my personal feelings of outrage and sorrow, and to more generally express the sense of solidarity of middle America with the people of Great Britain. Our thoughts and prayers are with the victims, families, and with the British people. We share an unbreakable bond and feel a special sense of kinship with you, and we ask God to protect you from further harm. Please be safe and strong. Your friend, Nick. Hi, I'm JR. I'm Matt. I'm Lee. And I'm Simon. Let's talk about Doctor Who. Okay. <clears throat> right, so we have just watched The Pyramid at the End of the World. Um... My first impression is, I'm starting to wonder this year if the stories and scripts and the actors and everything else is absolutely fine, but there's something weird going on with the direction, because as much as I like the stories and as much as I'm sort of enjoying the interplay and Mm. as much as I'm intrigued by what's going on... I'm starting to not engage with the episodes. Oh, I'm glad it just wasn't just me. Because I sat through that, and at the end of it, I thought that was brilliant, but I really didn't care one way or the other what happened. Mm. Did Matt, Lee? Um, Yes. Same. I think that it's starting to feel like every other episode of every other sci-fi series out there. Yeah, but I'm, it's not the stories. It's something to do with no, the direction, I no, think. No, it feels flattish. I can't quite put my finger on it. Mm, yeah, no. but it feel, but it's like... It didn't feel like it had any spikes. Spark, even. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, just little... Matt. I thought it's fine. I mean, I didn't notice. <laughs> it's fine, is not... I didn't notice. Well, I thought they've, they've always... But, I mean, I've never really... The only time I've noticed a high point in direction on Doctor Who... Was okay. Let, was when Ben I, Wheatley <clears throat> right? He was ben, doing it because it actually has most of the time. What I'm looking for is in Doctor Who is invisible direction, mm. and well, I, that's I agree. That, I point. agree. That I agree that there were points where I didn't engage, but I think in terms of direction, I think it was a, the editing was good. The construction was good. I don't know if it was the general overall just down thing. to. The direction. I'm not sure. Mm. Something seemed to be missing. There, there, there was some tension missing. There's quite a bit of tension missing, actually. And the music itself, you mentioned the music, was, was plodding along at a particular rate. But the action on the screen, wasn't. there wasn't anything happening. So when you get the There dot, was a particularly tense moment where well, suddenly get, things should have been happening. It the was dot kind of, to an And it sounded like... Um, 
uh, I don't know, Ranlon Hotkirk or something. Except I'm not driven by the music, so I only started noticing the music when you said, there's something odd with the music. And then, at that point, then I started thinking, oh, maybe there is. But it's not. But when I say direction, I'm not talking about the camera work. No. I'm not talking about the editing. I'm not talking about the use of music. When I'm talking about direction, I'm talking about the whole project. I'm talking about the interpretation of the words to the screen in every single angle that could possibly mean. And somewhere between the the scripts, to me, seem just as good as they've always been. But I've got to tell you, last year I was more engaged with Sleep No More, which I hated, than I was with That Tonight, which I thought was a really good episode. Yes, fair point. It's a fair point. Maybe it's a lack of, that sounds harsh, but a lack of vision. Or maybe a lack of, like, as you say, connection between the script and the screen. Because some clarity is missing somewhere. Well, th- this character, this particular episode is plainly a middle episode, isn't yeah. it? Are we, are we looking at a trilogy here? Because yeah. I yes. don't know about what was going on with these episodes. Well, there was some. There was some question about whether last week's was going to be the first episode of a trilogy, right? And the answer is probably yes and no. That it was obviously a standalone. But it's definite, mm. it definitely leads into here. There, are, there was more from last week than we probably in, expected yeah, the night, yeah. certainly. And this one, so at, at the very least, this one and next week's are going to be a two-parter. I mean, yeah, we're because talking second act. Cliffhanger. And with second acts, there's <clears> always going to be, it's always going to feel a little bit, it's a, diff, it's a bit... But I'm not talking about this week's solution. episode. I'm talking about this week's episode and last week's episode and Oxygen and Knock Knock and Thin Ice and smile, and the pilot, all of the episodes so far, as much as I liked Thin Ice and thought it was a really good episode, it didn't have that pin sharpness that you get sometimes. Mm. And I think that, and see, for me, since Stephen Moffat took over, no, I don't think Series 5 had it, but I think with Series 6, right through to Series 9, it had it. And now it hasn't again. Is it possible that because we know that this is Stephen Moffat's last season series and Capaldi's, and we know that this is a kind of a, an add-on series, that Stephen Moffat wasn't intending to write this, so is it possible that that, that makes it harder to, to get involved, knowing that... No, knowing no, that... that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a clarity between the words and the pictures. Yeah, but it hasn't really been... I mean, I haven't noticed any problem with the direction. I've been involved in this Yeah, but series. you're... Judging by what you were saying earlier, you're talking about the director, and I'm not talking about the director. So the direct, So you're talking about the direction as in the trajectory of the series? No, I'm not talking about the trajectory The way it's the been series. directed? I'm talking about the feel. The f- okay. So the tone? Yeah, the tone, whatever you want to call it. Right. I just think it's not been there. Oh, well, I don't mean it's been missing altogether. I'm just, it just seems to me that there's some kind of disconnection between. Maybe, maybe I'm going back to that word vision in as much as the previous series. As you say, Stephen Moffat had a vision of what was He had a happen. very clear vision in series five as so, well. As, as you say, and because I don't think this is an additional series where he's. So the, the, well, no, the because I don't think Series 5 had it either. I think it started with about A Christmas Carol, or maybe it started with the two-part finale to Series 5. Which which kind of fits with what I was saying, that tone, feel, the connection between script and screen, 
it's or it's not director. Maybe it is a Stephen Moffat thing of having a, an overall vision. Maybe well, yeah, lost, but his overall vision started with vision. the start of series five. But I didn't well, see. Except, <clears throat> except really, he season five was him trying to establish. Was trying to maintain the popularity of the series. It's trying to well, yeah, establish yeah. himself. So series five could be an enclosed, an enclosed getting your feet under the table, getting yeah, Doctor yeah, Who yeah, to his, survive. Literally finding his feet. Then yeah. his vision starts in series six and actually ends at the end of the last series. Yes, yes. And now we're onto another kind of a coda series. Yes. It's kind of a series five redux where he's trying to keep the series alive in time for Chibnall to come along. So it is the status of the, the position of the series. Yes. Yeah. That I will agree with. But what I'm saying is that beyond that, mm. there's a, because what you're saying is Stephen Moffat's vision for Doctor Who started, let's say, with the Pandorica opens yeah. and finished with, let's say, the Husbands of River Song. Yeah. Possibly. More or less. Yeah. But so, so what I'm saying is, yes, the, the vision's not any longer there. Yeah. But obviously he's got something going on this series. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that that's disappeared altogether. Mm. So what I'm saying is that clarity, yes, yeah, so particularly I'm talking about that clarity that was between those two particular bookends mm. has disappeared. And as much as I'm liking it, I'm not feeling it. Mm. I think I'm I'm drawn into it because I very quickly became invested in Bill because because of the strength of her performance and the fact that in the pilot her character was very well and very rapidly drawn mm. out. And I think she's very much been particularly in those first four episodes, she was the the entry point. <clears throat> and that worked for me. I think I was I was drawn into that. And because I was drawn in at that point, that's my that's my. I don't feel like I'm I'm watching some kind of grand. grand yeah, but I'm talking about novel, the difference between working. appreciating something and loving something. Mm. I don't know. I I felt it was isolated to this episode. If I'm honest, did you? Yeah. No, I've been getting the feels through this this series, but this was the first one. I, I think, think it's been I up think and down. Smile affected me more than this. I don't thing. think it's been every episode's been on a particular level. I think mm. there's been some that's been that have been doing it more, and some that have been doing it less. Mm. But I don't think there's been a single episode this year where I've really felt it like I used to. Mm, okay. And I think this is, and I don't know. It's just it really hit me this week because I just kept thinking, well, I'm appreciating this, but I'm just not loving it. This mm. might this might be the the point where. Just briefly, Doctor Who becomes just for other people, and this is the one where you sort of get through and then hope that it comes back. Oh no, no, no! It's not to that degree. No, I only brought it up at the yeah, start yeah. of this episode because I particularly noticed it yeah, this week. Yeah. It's not to that degree at all. I, I think with this episode, I liked it, but I'm not convinced by the monks as villains. I think the monks are so. I think the monks that that whole kind of philosophical conundrum is an interesting one but mm. I didn't find it a very frightening one and it doesn't translate so, to cerebral rather it doesn't translate to live action I think in it's general, the kind of thing you no, could do no, in a book yeah, yeah. and it would be an interesting philosophical thing yeah. to do in a book and the monks aren't they don't look interestingly interesting no. enough to hold your attention whilst they're they were, making this they were deal. more interesting last week when we knew less about yeah. them 
I Although last say. last week I only had vision in one eye, and last week's episode was really dark. Yeah, and I really had problems. <laughs> I need to watch the game because I really had problems following what was going on. It made it slightly more frightening. I think. I think in general, I I feel slightly distanced from these episodes, like the Sontaran Stratagem and things mm. like that, where you've got these big world affecting events and mm-hmm. things like that, and it all. It's very tricky to play that right. But didn't you think the Zygon inversion? No, no, no. Yeah, that's what I was about to come to that. The Zygon inversion did it well. Whereas sometimes it feels slightly plastic. Yeah, it's not, not, doesn't feel all encompassing. All the the TV reports and things like that. And this didn't. But also the Zygon one was a two parter, and this is a two parter. Effectively, I mean, I know that. The, yeah. I know that the end of the worldness mm. isn't going to turn out to be quite the way we no. think, but it's still an apocalyptic. It's clearly going to be an apocalyptic two-parter, mm. Mm. and that's so. Maybe, maybe judging it as a kind of a ninety-minute continuous. Absolutely, if I'm fully aware that it, it mm. it's a smaller part of a, a bigger thing. Yeah. But equally, if I got my understanding correct, that these are individual episodes written by different. So you got Stephen Moffat writing last mm-hmm. week's Peter Arnes yeah. this week. Next week, next, yeah, week, next it's week it's Toby Whithouse. Toby Whithouse basically so, doing um, Man in the High Castle next. But week. in essence, that means mm. that each of these should should stand on its own two feet as a as an individual episode. And and yeah. I think f- to to look at this and say, oh, it's okay, give it some give it some space because it's Act Two. I'm but, not sure I can potentially. Although this might be the model for how the series is going to operate, because they're talking about bringing in a writer's room. Maybe this is the the kind of the pilot for the writer's room idea. Mm -hmm. So you get Stephen Moffat, Toby Whithouse and Peter Harness getting together to... um, Face the Raven and then Heaven Sent and Hellbent last year. And each of those completely stood by itself. Yeah. And these three should as well in the same way, because they're only as connected as those three were last time. Yeah. So this one kind of does. It's just not very. Yeah, it does. Satis- I thought it did. Not as satisfactory as something like Heaven Sent, for instance. Which I thought is, this you know, was this was essentially Stephen Moffat's The Sound of Drums, mm-hmm. Sound of Drums, and Last of the Time Lords and Utopia, kind of a three-parter. But also, each one of those episodes stands by itself. Mm. And this was The Sound of Drums, The Master Wins, and here the monks win. Yeah, and it, I thought it was quite clever the way they got there. I didn't think it was very clever the way it was um, the biological thing. Instead no, of the... that felt like a very a bit of a damn squib. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. As, as a as this is the thing that's happening. Well, they couldn't really demonstrate that it was a problem with demonstrators, so they bumped off one scientist mm. and possibly Nardal. We don't know. And the issue there bumped off Nardal, but. I think the issue there was that because they had to show us all the way through the episode this other thing going on somewhere else, yeah. throughout the entire episode we're thinking, well, it's not this thing, it's that thing, isn't it? Yeah. So when the revelation came that it wasn't this thing, it was that thing, it wasn't a revelation to us. Mm. And so you couldn't really you couldn't really feel for the characters on the screen who were supposed to be emoting the revelation mm. because you'd already had the revelation spoiled for the previous 35 minutes. Mm. And there was a lot of that in this episode where you knew what was going to happen mm. before it happened. Yeah. And, and also the, the bits with the glasses crushing and then the bottle smashing. Why? That felt like it was trying to be more clever than it actually was. Well, the bottle was supposed to foreshadow the survivor's effect, right? Survivors always starts with a bottle smashing because the oh, bottle okay. smashing oh, yeah. um, represents the dispersal of the biological agent into the atmosphere that kills everybody off. Yeah. But 
but it's also it's also about small things, small accidents leading to apocalypses. So the smashed glasses and the smashed bottle. These yeah, are like I th- we, we all equally, got this, but it was rammed on our throat a few times, and it's like, well, we don't need to see the bottle thra- smashed in three times no. in the episode. We don't need to see even. Well, it er- didn't feel like the rest of the episode was operating on that level. If I'm honest, yeah. Well, we don't need to see. I mean, if you look at Erica's story from her doorstep to the end, and if you put all that together, that's it's a story on its own. Mm. But I have to say, you would cut that story up as much as you possibly can if you're going to show it visually. Mm. And we had too much of nothing really much going on in the lab. Maybe Mm. it's a writing thing. Maybe there's there was a slight collision between the Stephen Moffat stuff and the Peter Harness stuff. Maybe. And and I didn't have a problem with any. I thought Erica was brilliant. I thought she was great. And Mm -hmm. um, that that whole thing, as you say, was seemed to be working. Mm. But it's just that it spoiled the surprise. Yeah, it did, and it didn't seem to balance up with the rest. And actually, of it. that was a thing in Smile as well, where they spoiled the surprise by showing you in the pre-titles. Mm, mm. Um, maybe there's a slight issue of dumbing Doctor Who down this year a bit. Well, I was thinking about this. You know, we we all agreed that pilot was almost like a, a test pilot for new series of Doctor Who. If you'd never seen it, you could start at that point. I'm wondering whether anybody has started at this point you know, in this series, and what they're thinking of these last two episodes. Are they thinking this is, well, this is quite fun because it's like a mini epic that we're getting in the middle of the Doctor Who series to kind of, well, this is what Doctor Who can really do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was another point, though, where it was kind of spoiled, was that knowing the Doctor was getting his sight back. Because that yeah. could have been done in a way where she didn't, he didn't actually say, or oh, he'd help the Doctor cut it off. All of a sudden he's got his sight back and he can see the code. Oh no! That's strange to see. Yeah, it felt yeah. again like we were being eased into it rather than actually using. There's, there's, yeah. there's it's emotional like everything, ammunition there, yeah, isn't it? Everything in this episode, you were told what was going to happen before it did. I've got a, we I, had, a, had a lot of exposition this season. I've got a question. So he's got these sonic sunglasses that presumably has video capability. <laughs> Why doesn't he? Yes, but it's also they must have like a webcam on them. Could he not have projected think, the, projected the webcam episode? onto her phone and oh, she could yeah, just say yeah, down yeah, three, yeah. down two, yeah, down three? It, it, That's what it, I would it do. Demonstrate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ignoring that because I obviously. That was going to happen as soon as you said yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it did demonstrate. I mean, do you remember Battlezone, by the way? Um, you probably don't. In the yeah, arcades, yeah. same same graphics. I loved it. But anyway, it wasn't. It showed you a tablet early mm. on in the on the program, and he mm. couldn't read what was on the tablet. Right. I mean, they're they're pretty crappy glasses of, of for a time lord to wear if he can't just get the digital information of a tablet. Well, but I guess yeah. he's blind. But, um, but I, I guess it's like the sonic screwdriver. He can only, it, it does it, what it, it the writing just, needs just to do. Oh, yeah. so oh, it doesn't work on wood. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like the special effects. I mean, the special effects in this yes. were really good, and I like the location filming. Well, should we stop That's for a second and just go around good. the table and say, did everybody actually enjoy it? Cause, so go on then, Matt. In terms yes, of, I enjoyed it. Yes. yes. Yeah? yeah. I think it's, I think, as what Lee's saying, this whole season, this whole series, is demonstrating the different things that Doctor Who can do, the different types of story, the different scales of story. I, to be fair, every series of Doctor Who does that. This yeah. one's probably just doing it slightly more. Or slightly this one's doing it on the nose. So it's yeah, it's yeah. kind of saying this is a ghost story, this is a a, a space opera story, or is like an alien story. This is and this is the sort um, of tech thriller story, yeah. sort of. And I was I followed it. I thought it was going to be more interesting. I would have rather the apocalyptic event event had actually come come through, although that would have ruined the 
the philosophical debate at the other end. But I was waiting for some sort of. I, I thought this was going to turn into the actual, the end of the world, mm. and the Doctor dealing with that. That would have. It's been funny if fun. you think about um, some of the successful movies that have come from this this idea of bacteria getting out and things like that. Mm. Or, Trying to think of some twenty eight days later. Yeah, and there was a woman Dustin Hoffman in it. Uh, outbreak, was, yeah, outbreak, yeah, that was very like good, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. David that, Triffitt's... With something like that, you've got to play it a certain way because it is a small event that has far reaching consequences. Yeah, yeah. The trouble so here is that yeah, difficult yeah. to focus yeah, on that when it's, is almost impossible when it's a side to event the, to put on the small screen. Yeah, and I don't think even survivors managed very well to put the apocalypse on the small screen, mm. but. It, to do it, you have to tell the story of a person yeah. and then a smaller group of people, and it has to expand naturally. Whereas, obviously, if you're doing it in Doctor Who, when you're telling a different story at the same time, you've got so many other things going on that you can't focus on the small group of people. So yeah. they kind of become, instead of instead of being the most important thing, because in an apocalypse drama, I suppose you have to focus on a life as the most important thing to mm. represent life as being yeah. the important thing. But here, instead of focusing on her life as the most important thing, there were just like a sort of slight irrelevancy in the episode until they became relevant. But also <laughs> in all of these, in all of these apocalyptic dramas, 28 days later and survivors, particularly those, the whole lab scene that we saw from beginning to end, that takes it's a few seconds. A few seconds, even the, just the yeah. title sequence in Spiders, because that's the most boring yeah. thing. Mm. Stupid scientists dropping a test tube isn't drama. Or leaving no, air, air, airlocks open. Or they, leaving the air, <laughs> yeah, 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 really idiotic scientists. But that's not drama. It's the effects of yeah. the apocalypse, which is drama. But It is. So Chimera that, was the same thing, wasn't it? Yeah. The burning of the lab and all that stuff was pretty quick, but it was yeah. the effect afterwards of the creature getting out and, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's... That's why I kind of wanted it to... I was always wanting it to escape. To, to get escape to the apocalypse. But actually, it never quite came. But having said that, you know, I like the I like the look of it and the performances. Mm. And they were stupid scientists, so that was, you know, it was quite fun. Well, they did foreshadow the fact that he was going to leave the door open by having him almost fainting at the desk from his hangover. Lee, did you enjoy it? I didn't that much, actually. I found myself not enjoying it as much. I knew that I should be. I was sitting there thinking, this is, should be hitting all the right buttons. You've got Egyptology, you've got races of aliens taking planes out of the sky in a really brilliant way. You've got, uh, you know, uh, the end of the world, it's nigh, I love all that stuff. And the Doctor being cool and Bill being brilliant. But again, it's, there was something missing from it. And I think that I don't think I can judge it at all until I watch next week's and then go back and watch all three again. And then it will suddenly probably sit in place for me and I'll be able to go, ah, right, so as a as a trilogy, this actually works for me. That's what I felt I, I'm feeling week's. that I just have to wait until the end of next week's yeah. to make a decision on this But week's. last week's I thought was sat perfectly on its own. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was mm. a different kettle of fish. I didn't feel like... I didn't feel like but they're all so separate yeah. from each other that... What I'm really asking is, did you enjoy sitting watching this the same way you might say at the half-time interval at a play, how did you like the first half? Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. I think I was relatively nonplussed by it. Mm. It's the mortar between two bricks. 
Well, no, that's kind of it's not, though, is it? It's, <laughs> a, fair, it's a fair point to make at the halftime yeah. interval of the theatre. You talk about the first half and you have yeah. opinions on it. You can't just you can't just say, well, I've just watched 50 minutes of Doctor Who and I'm not going to have an opinion until I've seen the next 50 minutes of Doctor Who. <laughs> no, no, I'm asking what your opinion is on this 50 minutes of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, we asked us what we thought of it. That's, that's how I hmm. thought I thought of it. But opinion is different, isn't it? Simon? Um... Earlier this week, my wife um, found a new recipe for bean burgers, and they were the best bean burgers I've ever tasted in my life. And that's your opinion. And then today, <laughs> today, I made the same bean burgers with all the same ingredients, which were all great ingredients, and it was bland as anything. Mm-hmm. And it felt... It felt like somebody had taken the ingredients and... So what are, you sure, yeah. are you sure your wife didn't put beef in it? <laughs> I just didn't tell you. So what, is, what you're saying is... Well, the, yeah, the problem actually was probably seasoning. So there we go. And there's my point. I think the seasoning was missing on it because I think... Well, as, you're right. As Lee said, all the elements were there. Everything should have worked. And, and in theory, and I felt the same as Lee. I felt I was just kind of... If if you're going to draw a graph of my enjoyment during the episode, it kind of peaked Stuff. about a third of the way through. Yeah. There was a little bump, and then it just went flat again. I'm saying... Do you I, think it's also... I, I really liked the start, and I thought it's got yeah. all everything here. But I tell you, I think the moment where it began to unravel is the moment where the Doctor walks up to the pyramids, and then the door opens, and somebody comes out and says, we ain't ready for you yet. And then walks back in and shuts the yeah. door. And, and I'm like... Only two pants today. Yeah. I'm like... The entire purpose of that scene was so that you could get that line, we're going to wait until humanity invites us. But that well, wasn't... It, is it like playing on that kind of arrival? Have you seen the film Arrival? It's a very slow, supposedly cerebral yeah. sci-fi yeah. film. I thought it was quite good, actually. But well, it, it, is, was, it, it was labouring a point most, somewhat. But Most people thought it was quite I, good. Yeah, but it was, it was, really... <laughs> but it was still labouring an obvious point. Most of the time, all yes. we were doing was waiting for her to decipher something. That was it. Yeah, it, on, you know, on the surface. I mean, but it was a good. It yeah. was a good. Arrival is a film about linguistics rather than yeah. aliens. That's yeah, the point. Exactly. It's yeah. about how to communicate with other people, yeah. and that's what this was sort of doing. Yeah. Except this was doing it on a not quite as intelligently. Mm. I thought visually it was it was cool when the Doctor went up to the TARDIS. I thought it was a lovely vision. You know, I, I was thinking to myself, actually, I don't think there's been a better looking Doctor. Mm. Everything about the episode looks Went lovely. up to the TARDIS or the pyramid? Up to the pyramid. Pyramid, yeah. Well, also, the, the, the bombing, the, the planes going in for the bombing attack. Mm. I was watching that thinking, I haven't seen... I mean, think about how far this has come since Rose... It's one of those moments where you suddenly realise this actually is over 10 years old, this series mm, now. Yeah, yeah. And it is, just like the original series, it has actually changed that much and special effects have got so much better. I have to say, though, that moment, that one well, chuckling about mm. that is that, you know, there's a moment when the monk turns up and then the <gasps> oh, bloke's on the other side and then he reaches out with his hand and then the next thing he says, oh, four monks in a plane. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, and you know they're in a studio, you know they're in like a, a, a false plane, you know, they're all dressed up. And I'm just expecting to move left to right like Star oh, Trek. Oh, you know, the bit, of, <laughs> it's just the bit where I realised that the things that were going into my head were more interesting than what was on the screen was when you had the three monks walking off. Well, yeah. they were I thought they were going to do Genesis. That was a bit. Co- that was a bit. Yeah, that was an unintentional that was comedy a, moment. That was, was the sort of thing oh, where it was like if there was a Doctor Who confidential, you'd see that lady choreographing them. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. and you just did, left you got forward, it slightly right wrong this time forward. they're yeah. just not yeah <laughs> they didn't quite get in time with each other so Should going we... back to the scene Sorry, yeah. where he walks up to the pyramid and the monk comes out and says not now just later the, the the reason why that doesn't work is because on the one hand what you've got is the physical action which is the doctor making a confrontation and on the other hand the purpose of that scene is only to relay the information that's in that line so the physical action doesn't correspond with the purpose of the scene so it's a it's a wasted moment of physical action if you know what i mean i'm not i'm I, not I had, um, expressing it very well it echoed for me was when you that i bit i love in legopolis where the doctor goes and have a chat has a chat with the watcher mm. okay. and that was such a simple scene that we don't get don't to hear see, what he's no. Yeah. no that would have been good wouldn't it yeah i think i'm also i was disappointed by the possible revelation of what's in the vault because I was enjoying the mystery of what's in the vault. I was going to get up to what you thought the last couple of episodes now, later. Well, no, but this is still, this is sort of affecting this episode because there's no vault now. But now I can see what's going to happen in the next episode. You must know what's in the vault. I do now because I watched a bloody trailer, Matt. No, no, you saw, you saw last <laughs> you week's saw last episode. Oh, yeah, last week's. Oh, yeah. Remember? No. Where it was revealed that it's very, very likely to be Missy in the vault. Oh, Christ. <laughs> you knew that. It's been a long week, yeah, sorry, that's, carry that's on. Not, this isn't oh, I didn't, no, I didn't. Am I spoiling you with no. just because you've forgotten? No, 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 it's okay. No, I watched the trailer, and that's, that just freaked me out a bit. Oh, okay. okay. No, you're spoiling him because he didn't understand that the whole stuff about Missy getting... Well, that's, that's, that's fine. I, I but... completely forgot that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Missy's in the vault. I know. Do you know who the I Prime Minister what, is? <laughs> just about. No, I don't. It's okay. been a long week. So, but th- that knowledge, I found that to be slightly underwhelming. And now I can see what's going to happen in the next episode. That they're going to bring, presumably bring Missy out the box to solve the problem because the doctor's disappeared. <clears throat> There's somebody else in the vault, though. There could be somebody else in the vault. My, my big idea is, so does, does Lee know about... Hmm, coming back. Yes. Oh, you do know but about... I don't know when or when yes. coming back. Okay, it's yeah. very no, we don't it's, know re- it's really difficult talking about it. <laughs> yeah. theories. So what if what if That's why we usually keep him for five minutes at the end. What if John Sin isn't doesn't isn't isn't the precursor to Missy, but what if it's the other way around? Well that's my it can't idea. be because we saw um Derek Jacobi regenerate into John Sin. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a way. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. Oh, that's a, that was a really good idea as well. That was as bad as me saying what I just said about Missy. Should we go back out there it and wasn't, start again? It wasn't. Should we leave these two it to wasn't, talk? It wasn't, because <laughs> Uto- Utopia was about seven years ago. You forgot something from last week. There was seven big, days ago. There was a big plot development. I'm 46. I don't know that's, how old I'm. That's very old that's very I, forgot, I forgot the salt and pepper and the bean burgers, so there you go. <laughs> Um, one of the things about this episode that's not usually an issue, but occasionally is, and so was it an issue tonight? There, uh, in Cold Blood, for example, the fate of humankind and the fate of Silurian kind comes down to three people sitting around a table when you know that if it was reality, you'd have whole teams and committees sitting down to talk to each other. Mm. And in Doctor Who, you don't have the budget or the time to have teams and committees. So what you basically do is have a metaphorical representation 
of teams and committees by mm. setting three characters around the table. In um, Peter Harness's last one, which was the Zygon two-parter, you had the big scene at the end with two boxes, and that was fake Clara and real Clara and the Doctor and uh, Unit in a room. And again, you kind of know that if this was real life, if it was the IRA and the United Nations in a room, there wouldn't be six people in that room. There'd be 60. Mm. Tonight, we had the three biggest powers, biggest military powers on planet Earth sitting in a room. And I think up to the point where they were talking about cooperating, it felt okay and the metaphor was holding. Mm. And then when he suddenly shoved a computer screen in front of each of them and said, Google, all of a sudden that felt like it collapsed a bit to me. Yeah. Also, it missed the opportunity. You could have had Donald Trump being ossified by a monk <laughs> because they re- that Donald Trump really would be the power. I mean, but yeah. But I you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. the metaphor only holds up to the point, uh, you know, there's a, on a metaphor like that, there's a tension. Yeah. And people, most people didn't feel it held in cold blood. And I have to say, I agree. I didn't think that worked. In the Zygon inversion, I thought it did work. And tonight, I thought it worked up to a certain point Mm. and then it collapsed. Mm. And you've got to be very careful how you play those things, right? I think the Doctor's the key to to keeping it going. So the Doctor's, in, in these sorts of stories, is framed as the overall authority. Mm. And so this, this plane becomes this kind of command star, or this kind of command station. So it's him directing his armed forces to doing things rather than, yeah. But it just felt ridiculous. Mm. At the point where it collapsed, prior to that I didn't mind, but at the point where it collapsed, it just felt ridiculous that none of these people would have any AIDS. Mm. 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 Yeah. Uh, and speaking of the doctor, oh, go on, sorry, man. No, no, that reminded me of something else I thought about it. This is the, it made me think that this is the Pertwee story that that Barry Letts would have loved to have been able to do on that sort of scale. And the reason it reminded me of that is because that's exactly what Unit is. It's like three, three soldiers in a, in a, room, in a yeah, building yeah. making tea <laughs> in a very unsecret building. And so that's that's kind of it's kind of very nineteen seventies. It that? is, yeah. but but. Whereas where Unit are concerned, they're supposed to be a secret organisation. Yeah. And they're supposed to be just a few people augmented by a greater number of people. Whereas these three people were supposed to be the three actual most powerful people on the planet, mm. as opposed to the ones who nominally are. Yeah. And it just... And at the point where he says, sit and Google... I know when he says, sit and Google, that is supposed to be a joke. Yeah. You know, that's supposed to be a funny moment in it. But that... But taking aside the sort of joke aspect of that, that was the point at which you just... Disbelief was no longer suspended. Yeah. On the subject of the Doctor, the blindness thing, he's... For the first five episodes of this series, he's the Doctor that we had in Series 8, except because he's got a different companion, we see a slightly different aspect of that. But he's the Doctor who's learned to be the madman in the box that he did Mm. in Series 9, sorry. Mm. In Series 8, he learned to be the madman in the box. And in Series 9, he was the madman in the box, except we kept seeing the more serious 
stories rather than the more fun stories. We just had little glimpses of those. This year, he's the same character, so he's the madman with the box. But he's a slightly funner doctor. He's not... You make jokes, and he still was making jokes tonight. Mm. But there's been a buoyancy about him in the first five episodes, which is the introduction of Bill has drawn out of him. It's kind of... He's still the same character, but he's got somebody new beside him. So there's a slightly Mm. more buoyant aspect to his character. It's sort of the kind of thing, when you make a new friend, you show off a bit. There's been a little bit of that. With the blindness... He he's had any of that showing off punctured, mm. so we've kind of gone back now to a version of Capaldi's Doctor that has felt to me mostly at times like it's on the other side of where Series Eight was. So that in the last two episodes, not that he's been grouchy, <clears throat> but that he's been less buoyant now. I than he was even in series stationary, eight. actually. Visually, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And acting way, where you know his acting <clears throat> is is all from his voice and, and less with his body, um, and you know that the more stationary. I, th- I think whoever, when you have the doctor on board acting, he affects everybody else around him. Uh, you know, the actor can affect other people, other actors. You've got Bill being quite kind of buoyant as well in this, but everybody else around him tonight just felt a little bit. Flatter. I don't know why. And it's because, uh, to me, it felt like he was quite stationary. Everybody else was a bit stationary. No one was running down corridors. There was no real tension or action. Although there was a massively tense uh, premise to this. And well, I, he's I doing do a really, he's doing a really good job of playing a doctor who's yeah. been beaten down by yeah, his blindness. Mm. But, but that is sucking they... some of the life out of the program. Exactly. Yeah, that's it's also that. a really strange episode because half of it's. Maybe maybe a third, maybe a half doesn't have the Doctor in it. Because there are the long scenes set in the lab mm. which lack the Doctor. Which might which might be a, sort of an effective Doctor Light Doctor Light strategy. Mm. But it might to be better as a Doctor Light episode. Yes. In a way. Well next week it looks like it's gonna be the Doctor Light, oh, doesn't it, it, from the trailer. Oh. <laughs> well judging well judging by what we, what we saw spec- for next week. Speculation, not Prediction? prediction. <laughs> well, no, actually, perhaps a prediction, but it's definitely mm. a speculation is that the Doctor's presence next week mm. looks like it's going to be something more akin to the Doctor's presence in Blink mm. than, say, the Doctor's presence in, you know, Heaven yeah. Sent, mm. to give the completely opposite example. Yeah, yeah. But it looks like all we'll be seeing of him for at least a part, if not the majority of next week's episode, is just going to be these videos, right? Next mm. week is um, Next week is Bill. Filling in for the Doctor. And yeah, Matt, if you're speculating that Bill gets Nardole to open the vault because the Doctor's not there and they need something, then maybe that's the case. Yeah. Unless his lungs have melted. Nardoles. Yeah. Mm. That's well, that's a question I was going to bring up. Let's do it now. Um, and this comes from David Renane on the um, Beyond the Sofa podcast. But he brought this up and it was something that struck me before the series started broadcasting. And then when the series started broadcasting, I completely forgot all about it because I was getting wrapped up in the character. But Stephen Moffat had said (coughs) that initially Nardole had only been intended to be in the first handful. I'm not sure if he specified, but he he gave... He either said five or around five or a handful, but whatever, he gave the impression that it was five. 
And that, because the character seemed to be working so well, they worked him into the rest of the scripts as well, so that he'd be in throughout the series. So, David Ronane looked at the op- the episode Oxygen, which was the fifth episode, and said, I wonder if that point was the point where Nardol would have died, but actually they gave that scene to Bill instead. Mm. So there, there are two spacewalk sort of scenes for Bill, two points at which... But mm. one's the spacewalk and the other one's the bit where yeah. she gets yeah. frazzled by the zombie, right? So there are two scenes in Oxygen where Bill's under extreme peril. And David Ronane said, well, I wonder if one of those was originally Nardole and he'd been killed off. Yeah. And instead of killing him off, they gave the scene to Bill and they gave the peril to Bill. Um, no, I think maybe he's half on the button there because I can't actually see one of those two scenes being mm. Nardole's. Because they both felt they're, like they're quite integral to yeah they're quite in, both of them are integral to how yeah. Bill's trajectory through that episode works so I think they were both originally for Bill but so my question isn't can you pick the moment at which Nardole would have died or left but my question is does it feel now that we've seen two episodes beyond that does it feel like what was happening with Nardole has changed between how he was? And I'm not talking about in episodes two and three where he's just at the start and at the end, but say in episodes one and four, the Nardole you saw in one and four, is that the same Nardole you're seeing in six and seven? Hmm. I think Nardole, Nardole's story developed in the last episode in Extremis. Extremis? Yes. In Extremis. So... I can't, and that story is obviously quite a fundamental story to the whole series. So that's that's the the whole vault thing is something that's that's Nardole and the vault are together. But Nardole didn't need to be in those. Wouldn't have needed to have been in those flashback bits to Missy and the Doctor for them still to have worked. But Nardole's role has always been has always been tied with the vault. So you have to reveal, yeah, yeah. reveal that at some point. So they revealed that in Extremis. Yes, but you didn't need to have Nardole there at the moment where she goes in, because his promise to keep an eye on the Doctor could have been made after that point. But then if you've killed Nardole off before you make that revelation, it's a bit weird. Well, no, because so Nardole's been looking after the Doctor, looking after the vault throughout the whole thing. Yes. You could have thrown a line of dialogue into any of the previous episodes where he says it was River Song who sent me. I'm asking what the character's doing. Has that changed? Mm. Not whether we've seen something significant. They, sh- they could have just switched from one episode to another. Are we sure that it's five consecutive episodes? Because he could have, in theory, mm. just been dotted through the series and just turned up at the end. Yeah. Well, no, the way Moffat phrased it was that he was going to be in the first five episodes and then he was leaving, and that instead they've decided to put him in the rest of the series as well. Mm. That was the way it was presented. Okay, I mean Stephen Moffat doesn't always tell the entire truth about these things, especially when it comes to promoting the series where he doesn't want to give the secrets away. Mm. But that's not a secret, really. That's just saying here was a character that we wanted to bridge the beginning of Bill with, mm. so to sort of give the start of the series a bit of an impetus for those people who were coming in from previous series, which obviously is the vast majority of the audience. And because he was working, we kept him on because he was working. Mm. I, I mean, I, I think his 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 character has developed. I don't think there's a sudden shift. There've been a couple of moments in the last couple of episodes where he's 
done things or said things that seem in addition to what he was doing and saying before. Mm-hmm. But it's been played in such a way that it's been fairly ambiguous. The bit where he says, this isn't my first face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have taken that as a sign that he's going to turn out to be Missy or that he's going to turn out to be the master yeah. or whatever. But actually, if you're saying that the Doctor's rebuilt Nardole yeah. out of part robotic and part human and part whatever body parts, mm. what you're essentially saying is he's over 100 years old by this point. He's had to have a facelift. Yeah. So when he says this is my not my first face, he's saying it in the same way as Cassandra does in The End of the World. Yeah. It, it, essentially, it is his face. He's just had a facelift or whatever. Mm. And then there's the moment where he turns around during the badass scene last week <clears throat> where um, you get that slightly awkward moment where the doctor's told him to walk in front and Bill is saying, no, hang on, I'm not having you walking in front of me. And he turns around and he gives her a bit of attitude. And people have taken that as a sign that there's more to this character than meets the oh, eye. Whereas I just took that as a, look, there's danger here. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one who has... Like it. Yeah, yeah. That's the impression I get. I'm the one... But it's also, there's a classic... So there's a classic role, which is the valet, which is the kind of the Jeeves character. And the Jeeves character has two sides of them. They are the servant, but they're also in control. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think mm. the performance, so Matt Lucas's performance has to go between two, those two poles. So sometimes he's the servant, which is his comedy sort of all-unfrightened mm-hmm. performance. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the in-control, which is the badass yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. guiding performance. And I think there's there's a collision between the two, but that collision is supposed to be there because that's, that's, that's the whole the point of the yeah, yeah. character. Mm-hmm. That's the humour in the character. Mm-hmm. I think, so what I'm saying is, I don't think there's been a change. No. But what I think that we've seen is that they've drawn some more of the latter of those two things out because in terms of the stories he's been involved in, those things have been the things that have been more relevant. Yeah, and the Doctor being blinded yeah, has obviously had to step, step up. up a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't... Yeah, that actually works. That works that he's keeping the Doctor's secret in a comedy way. Yeah. From Bill as well. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the Doctor doesn't want Bill or anybody else to know. Yeah. We'll come back to that blind. point in a second, because that's an interesting question as well. But just one more thing on the Bill, on the Nardole thing then. Could, and okay, there's the flashbacks to Missy, and, you know, him being there is um, sort of pertinent, but they could have done it without him. Mm. But is there anything from the last couple of hours? Does he seem integral in the last couple of episodes? Because what I'm just trying to figure out is how, if he had only been in the first five episodes, where would we be now? Because it is to have two companions and to have one companion is quite a significant difference. I think the blindness is an issue, isn't it? Mm, yeah. As to whether the blind, when the blindness was, was that always going to be integral to the story or not? No, it wasn't. Okay. And that's another interesting point, because obviously a lot of this developed as they were writing it, but this is, as I understand it, this is how it worked. Your first five episodes are one thing, then six, seven, and eight were going to be three entirely separate stories. And as I understand it, Peter Harness came to Stephen Moffat and said, how about a story about this, about a pyramid that turns up in the middle of a war zone, and we have a thing like in the Zygon inversion 
where the powers that be are at each other's throats and there's a race of aliens and we'll tell a story about that, about the potential for global nuclear catastrophe. And then Toby Whithouse turns up and says, do you know what you've never done in Doctor Who? And Stephen Moffat says, what? And Toby Whithouse says, you've never done a story that's set after the aliens have won. In other words, for Stephen Moffat to do something akin to Last of the Time Lords, which is set after the Masters won. And Stephen Moffat says, no, you're right. We haven't done that. And he's already got this episode planned out, presumably, which is uh, a simulation episode, but which doesn't tie into anything. And he says, well, hang on. If we have this global catastrophe episode in between an episode where the aliens have won and I'm doing a program about a computer simulation, Matrix-style thing, why don't we make it that the aliens win in the middle episode so that the post-aliens of one episode becomes a sequel to that? And in order to make it into a three-parter, why don't I tie the computer simulation episode into that as well and have the same aliens? And as I understand it, that's the way it worked. And in fact, Stephen Moffat said... It's not a three-parter, it's a four-parter, because the idea he really liked from um, Jamie Matheson's episode, Five Oxygen, was that the Doctor, for once, has to pay for his intervention by being made blind. And Jamie Matheson has him made blind, and then has him go back to the TARDIS and fix his eyes at the end. And while all these things are going on, Stephen Moffat sees that Nardole's working, so he wants to keep him likes the idea of the Doctor paying for his intervention by going blind, then wants to tie these other three episodes together, so says, well, why don't I do all those things? So Nardal being around and the Doctor being blind mm. was presumably a decision that was made at the same time that works beautifully because Nardal then gets to be the Doctor's eyes and ears. But do you know what I'm always saying on this podcast is that ideas only work if they all come out of the same place. And I suppose what I'm asking now is these ideas have all come from separate places and they've all timed nicely to fit in with each other. But do they really work? Well, the whole the whole blindness thing was resolved tonight because of something Bill had to do with the aliens. You know, it's a mm. massive... And that was obviously tied in as the climax of that yeah, episode. Yeah, it's because... a resolution. Um, and, you know, will it, did it work, is the thing. I mean, did it need to actually, did he need to be blind for as long as he needed to be blind for? Could you have not had something else that uh, you could build something else in for Bill to go? I know there would have been something else if yeah. he hadn't decided to continue with the blindness. But this yeah. is what I mean, that, you know, with his blindness, with his slightly kind of stationary, with with his, the fact they can't see things and he's using Nardle and all that, does that actually all work then? Does it, is everybody kind of happy with the fact that that side of the, the storytelling works in Doctor Who at the moment, up to that point when he got a side back? Well, for me, I thought it worked quite well. Mm. But, and I think any cracks that they had in terms of the storytelling, they've papered over really well because obviously these episodes were unformed at the time they were making these decisions, so they're able to write in. Things like the climax of this week's episode, the resolution of this week's episode, ties in with all the things that have gone before. So I think they've tied it together really well and papered over the cracks really well. But you can't help... But I can't help having the nagging feeling at the back of my mind somewhere. Probably only because I've read this and so therefore I know. So you probably wouldn't have even noticed if I hadn't read this prior. 
can't help having the nagging feeling in the middle of the mind, especially as these three episodes, although they're tied together in certain ways, because they've come from different people and they were initially different ideas, can't help feeling that they're not really a trilogy. And when I say they're not really a trilogy, what I mean is they're not really a story. They're three separate stories that have been tied together with a common element that's been projected onto them. To space. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, the Black Guardian trilogy. I guess, yeah, d- yeah. despite what you said earlier, that's a judgment you can only make once you've next, seen the third after next week's episode. Because mm-hmm. it may be that Stephen Moffat and, and Toby Whithouse tie everything really neatly together. Yeah, but even if they tie everything neatly together, that's tying things together. That's not having things working neatly all the way through. Mm, yeah, maybe. But things can happen in retrospect. Uh, I'm saying so, it can work. So, yeah. And I think it's working as well as it might. Mm. But I'm just saying there is... See, Utopia, Sound of Drums and Last of the Time Lords, although those three episodes work as three separate stories, there is, especially in the case of the latter two, there is a trajectory across the two episodes that means neither of them functions properly without the other. No. Whereas with these three episodes, from what we've seen so far, this one tonight was basically a self-contained thing that left things open for next week and that kept things from last week. But it was essentially self-contained. And last week's was also essentially self-contained. Yeah. Other than that line at the end, the aliens are still coming, basically. Mm -hmm. So it feels... It feels less even of a trilogy than Face the Raven, Heaven Sent and Hell Bent. Because those, not, none of those three episodes would have worked without the other two. Yeah. So even though they felt like three completely discrete episodes, they were totally tied together in a way that meant none of them worked without the other two. Mm. The pyramid, right? Um, we we know they're kind of uh, Egyptian-y looking geezers hanging about the monks, and we know the pyramids to do with them. But Bill's conclusion of it being a spaceship. Why couldn't it have been something that had travelled in time or it was just misplaced somehow or some strange event? It didn't have to necessarily be a spaceship, did it? And it seems to be a very odd thing that it is. I still don't quite get why it's a pyramid shape. I wonder if there's lots of... I think the monks is still a mystery. There is a line in there. They said we've used forms that you understand. Right, so they're they're chameleon, Mm. it's a chameleon circuit. Yeah, that was for, well, they're physical. Yeah, you can But you have to project that onto the spaceship. So the spaceship is obviously a cloaking device as well. Well, not necessarily a cloaking device. They've just built it in the shape of something that's already on the planet Earth so that when it turns up, it's not the fact that it's a space if it turned up as it's a space like a lot of effort well no it's <laughs> it's one of these because it's been done before in Doctor Who that they've got access to the whole of human history and they've just chosen a really really inappropriate and weird thing to model their spaceship on they've mm. chosen a, a pyramid rather than a NASA rocket or, mm. or something I guess yeah okay but I mean if it made it look like a spaceship then mankind's first reaction is there's a spaceship whereas if you make it look like something that should be there but wasn't there mankind's first reaction is we'd better go and have a look and see what it is i just think it's always a shame that whenever we get um egyptian or pyramid thrown into the series 
It's not Sutek. <laughs> well, the thing it. about it was, or something like there was that. another one of many ideas in this episode where you got this pyramid, but you didn't get any of the other stuff that goes with pyramids. Mm. So you said about half an hour ago, Lee, oh, I love a bit of Egyptology. I do. There yeah, wasn't any Egyptology no, in it. No, there that, was a pyramid, yeah, was and a that pyramid. was it. Yeah. That was the end of it. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Pyramid power. It was a... A whole load of glowing spaghetti. It was a lot of ideas tonight that... Were better written down. Yeah, no, I'm going to say a lot of ideas that really didn't have a form, that really didn't have any investigation, that just, you know, this... Mm. Because if they'd gone into Egyptology, then it would have got very Stargate, wouldn't it? True. But then you sort of think, well, then don't touch pyramids. Because the whole thing of the pyramid landing there to be a distraction Mm. to the armed forces so that the other thing can happen, well, the other thing would still have happened whether... the armed forces had been distracted or not. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there is, so there is a reason for, except there's a four-sided pyramid. I mean, there are three, there are three armies, so there's something about the shape of a pyramid being, like, against each border. It works quite nicely with that. Except it was a it's four-sided a, it's pyramid. It's a tetrahedron game. rather than a... Yeah. Okay. But it's just, but a lot. But I don't like being ideas, down on it. I really don't. All of these ideas were like really great ideas, yeah. but they just kind of seemed to sort of fizzle out a bit, or the explanation for them was no ways enough to carry the idea. I don't know. I, there was a lot of dialogue I didn't pick up on as well, and I don't know whether that's just me not picking up on it, or whether it. Just didn't seem it's to... a bit like smiling that the first 15 minutes was hilarious but as soon as it started getting serious mm. it didn't seem to be replaced with anything no mm. I, I still know, I, I, I still really, really, really like the monks if I'm honest I don't think there's enough to them I just I was, I ho- I was hopeful I don't want them to be the, monks on I was hopeful yeah, from yeah. the series trailer because the, they looked really frightening in that but I think they showed us the last week's monks which as far as i could tell were quite frightening yeah a bit dark for me um whereas this week's yeah i don't think this week's was the best story to have to show the monks in no you showed no. them too much i don't mind them I mean, there was quite a nice line wasn't there about um you all like corpses to me and they said turn i said well you are you all are like corpses to us or something mm. as yeah. humans and i thought oh, that's quite a, quite a good line actually mm. that that's that would come from something that's quite... You've got a good concept. Yeah. Huge, I just keep huge. thinking they look like the priestess figure from um, the Paraville. Oh, mm. Pompeii. Paraville. Yeah, but that line, again, that's like a really neat idea, except it's just there in that line and it's not anywhere else. Why do we look like corpses to them? Because they're here to st- save us from being corpses. So they shouldn't perceive us as corpses. They should perceive us as potential corpses. And there's a really interesting idea in there, except mm. it's there in that line and nowhere else. So it's almost like seeing all of time, yeah. like the Doctor does. He, but the Doctor sees it in a much more positive way, whereas they're seeing it in quite a dark but way. If you like see that, in Buck Rogers' rope lights. Mm-hmm. If you see the whole of human history, then humanity will pretty much look like corpses. Because there are more corpses than there are... So yeah, but no, you wouldn't, they because if you saw the whole of history, mankind as a thing would be a corpse right at the end of it, 
but that's like 1% of what you're looking at. And the other 99% mankind's not a corpse. Yeah. It's a thing that's living and growing and expanding and yeah, improving I'm, itself. I'm talking about individual corpses. But you so wouldn't look at the corpses because most of those are in the ground. A person is only a corpse for a fraction of a percent of its physical existence. And then it's worm food. But for however long that person's alive, that is a far greater amount of time than it is a corpse. Yeah. You're right, percentages-wise. But if they've modelled... If they've modelled everything, then it's not like they're watching a television series of the whole of mankind. They've modelled what's going on under the ground as well. They know everything that's happening in the Earth. So they they've modelled decay of corpses. Do you know, the problem is with all alien type alien villains in general, you know, what do they do in their spare time? What are their hobbies? Do any of them knit? Do they watch TV? Well, they probably watch Doctor Who. Where do they go to the toilet? What do they eat? They've modelled the whole of mankind. They're probably busy watching Doctor Who. I think think they practice ventriloquism. (laughs) 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 They've all got little tiny Orvilles on into their hands in behind them. Yeah, but just generally, what do they want? Do we know? Love. God, look here. Are they going to turn out to be the Cybermen? No. <laughs> well, I mean, there's all of his questions yeah, you asked. I, I see soon. what you're saying because it's kind of a bit in your face. This whole mouths opening and but more than that, it's like um, there's a theme through this series a bit of technology replacing humanity, and so obviously that was very evidently there in Smile. And it's very evidently there in oxygen. Mm. And it's very evidently there in extremis. And it's like, Stephen Moffat likes to foreshadow the way things are going to end with the other things he does Identity. in the series. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, but then you never know whether it's just foreshadowing or whether it's actually going to be yeah. a part of... I and mean, if it is going to be a part of the finale, it's usually the thing that turns up in the Stephen Moffat episode, right? And the monks turned up last week in extremis. So, I don't think it will be. Or I certainly don't think necessarily that it will be. I, but there's a fraction of a possibility that it could be. I, I think we're looking at a, a series that's basically in three separate chunks. We've got the beginning, the bill bit. Mm-hmm. We've got the monk bit. And then, and then we we're might get, get the, 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 the master's Cyberman bit. The whole Cyberman thing. With a, sorry, sorry. just to finish that thought, yeah. with a straight Mark Gatiss episode that has nothing to do yeah. with anything yes. in the middle. yeah. yeah. Which I'm quite looking forward to. Yeah, I am too. But <laughs> and the whole cyberspace thing all links back with um, death in heaven. Death in heaven. Mm. Yeah, it does absolutely. It's all there. Yeah, their ammo. Yeah, so uh, it's because um, Al No had a theory when series eight was on, and he was looking at the foreshadowing and thinking it was plot, mm. and he figured that the entire story was. Missy collecting parts so she could invent the Cybermen. So presumably, in order for that to have worked out, the two-parter at the end would have to have been set on Mondaz prior to the 10th planet, right? And Missy was creating the original Cybermen or something like that. You said that almost verbatim last episode. Yeah, but now you're here. No, it's only because I've listened to it. This morning, (laughs) yeah. But but now that we've seen this episode, Mm. does it still work? Because... I mean, it, potentially is Stephen... Because the Cybermen have never had an origin story. Because Tenth Planet, again, like the very first Dalek story in 1963, mm. starts after the Cybermen have been created. It's There's a 
now I'm thinking about it, there's a s- small possibility, I guess, that if they're going to have an apocalyptic story next week set on Earth, then it could turn and out then to it be. turns out to be Mondas, and they get Missy and involved, and one of Missy's solutions could conceivably be save the human race. By turning them into... By an extreme, by turning them into... So you're telling me them. that the Doctor isn't on Earth, even though he's calling it Earth. They've been on Mondas at the beginning of the series. Maybe. Somebody else suggested that today on somewhere I was. I can't remember if it was Facebook or not. Be cool. I don't... I think it might have been David Ronane again. I think the whole of the next episode's all going to happen as a simulation. I don't think you could pull the rug out from under an audience and say this entire series you've been watching has been taking place on an entirely different planet to the one you thought it was. No, because for a casual audience, that is like saying, yeah, that is the Bobby in the shower moment. Yeah. That is saying the thing that you've been watching doesn't matter. <laughs> We've been wasting your time. I think that I think the this has all been a simulation thing would be the Bobby in the shower moment. I think they could. They could just about get away with this is a complete. This hasn't been Earth all the time. No, I'm just if thinking they next episode. Back as, that's how that's how they apply themselves to the whole of history is that they create. No, I mean, he's yeah. if it only Earth, extended back, if yeah. it only extended back across these two episodes, yes. Yeah. If it extended back any further to like Bill's introduction in the pilot, no, because yeah. then you're effectively telling the audience whatever you thought of Bill. Sod you. At which point? At which point? What could happen is, after the simulation, the Doctor does something very clever and transports the principal characters in the series to Mondas to isolate the monks somehow, to kind of like keep them in one place. Potentially. It would be a cruel thing. Or if it's just these two episodes that are set on Mondas, you could end up leaving next week's episode with the Doctor, Bill, thinking they've won. And Missy being left behind to create the Cybermen out of the ashes. Yeah. I don't know. These are all flights of extreme fancy. (laughs) The thing about it is that you can have a flight of extreme fancy that seems absolutely ridiculous. But if the writer does it in a way that makes sense to a casual audience, it's not ridiculous anymore. You know, one thing Stephen Moffat is still doing, though, is making us guess all the way through, still don't. I still don't know anything about what's coming up, and you're still speculating wildly. Yeah, with flights yes, of fantasy. That's mm-hmm. also Doctor Who. I mean, Russell yeah. T. Davis did the same thing. No, I don't think he did though. Cause series still... three, you just knew the Master was coming, and there was no more to it than that. Series four, you knew the, the planets have disappeared. I, I didn't remember it was Stephen Moffat that came up with the fake regeneration and the next Doctor, and so these things. These things were were caused huge speculation. Plus, David, yeah, the doctor's yeah. daughter. But that was, oh yeah, but these are just instances that yeah, last yeah. a week. Yeah, yeah. Of Lee's talking about us trying to make the whole series add up. Yeah, which Russell T. Davis only really ever did once, mm. possibly twice if you count the second series. Mm. But the second series, it was already becoming more isolated, and then by the time it was series three, it was just like the masters coming, really, wasn't it? Not that that's. Should we score this, Simon? Yeah. Are you do you wanna... sure you want to start with me? Yeah, why not? I'm going oh, this way around God. the table. That's going to sound really harsh. 
But I, uh, like we said, all the elements were there, and I don't want to mark it that low. But at the end of the day, did I enjoy it? And I don't know whether I did. So I'm going to have to be, give it a five. Really? Mm. Wow. I thought you might go a six. And you, I, well, I gave Smile a six. Didn't you I? monster. <laughs> well, I was thinking. Did, no, I did keep thinking. You does cruel. it serve a six? Because there was so there was a lot there. But it really unravelled, didn't it? Mm. And the more we've talked about it, the more it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hoping it's a bit of a town called Mercy moment because I scored that a seven, I think, and it went up in my estimation the second time watching it. So hopefully a second time of watching it. I will actually watch it tomorrow again just to make sure. that. But it's going to have to be a six for me. Wow. Yeah. About ten out of ten? No, I'm giving it a seven. Um, But I'm also saying, like I said last week on text that this could that it could go up once I think of it as a three as a three part story a three part mm. epic story then I'd quite like I'd be interested to score the whole three parter and the individual episodes well mm. next week yeah. we'll have to try and assemble as many of us as we can and we'll try and do that a bit I'm going to give it a seven as well I because although it unravelled I still thought the parts that we're good about yeah, it. I'm we're... feeling like I've been too harsh. Yeah. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can't take it back. <laughs> yeah, but you gave <laughs> Oxygen a 10 as well. It's recorded. Right? Yeah. I saw it recording. Yes, you definitely <laughs> recorded on that side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You and your father. I mean, by, by that by that account, you know, if that's a five, then, you know, something like the Doctor's Daughter's got to be like a two. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think I would have. That's so, fair enough. Let's, let's move on. You just gave it a lower second degree. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, yes. Did you like Oxygen? Uh yes. Did you like Extremis? Yes. Which did you like more? Um, I liked Oxygen more. I was a, I'm a big fan, and I know you, you said last week that they weren't standalone stories because they were thematically linked, but they were more standalone than than these ones. So was. everything up to Oxygen were kind of like self-contained, and I was enjoying those. And so I prefer Oxygen to Extremist, I think. But I need to re-watch Extremist because <coughs> I couldn't see, I couldn't see, literally couldn't see half of it. Um, That's ironic, isn't it, really? Oxygen, I liked, yeah. Oxygen, I liked the purity of it. I liked the pace. I loved, as you guys said, I loved um, Bill running out of Oxygen. I thought that, uh, that sort of direction... I hadn't seen that since Deep Breath. There were some when, really when, great bits in when it. When Clara's holding her breath in Deep mm. Breath, they, yeah. really, they really did well in, in expressing that. Mm. I loved the corpses. I liked the idea. I thought the capitalism was rammed home a bit, but, mm. but it was still very funny. Yeah, that's kind of spoiled I liked for me. The, the suits joke was very funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had nothing... I had no complaints over it. No. Um, extremists... I liked the collision of the old with the new. I liked the the CERN and lab. It's angels and demons. It was yeah. it was yeah. mimicking um, angels and demons. Dan Brown is an awful writer. <laughs> I, it's great. It's great to be democratic and say he's for the masses, but sometimes you can say E. L. James, Dan Brown are awful writers. J.K. Rowling is for the masses. She's a good writer. She does what she sets out to do. Dan Brown is a bad sentence by sentence. It's an awful. He's an awful writer. Oh, I'm so but, bad. But ex- said last week, wasn't it? But I've never read it. Oh yeah. Oh okay, that's fine. It's awful. Um, 
but okay. but there's but there's but Angels and Demons has has seen Seth in the Vatican, seen Seth in CERN, and it's about an antimatter bomb somewhere in the Vatican that's concerning CERN. So it's kind of like well, I was thinking, it's kind of like, kind of well, the only Dan Brown I know is the film of the Da Vinci Code, which yeah. I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I love the twist at the end. The Vinci Code, a group of people running from room to room explaining plots. To one That's another. Doctor Who down to a T, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, so, but, so the, yeah, extremists, but I liked it in this case. So it took the things I quite like secretly from Dan Brown, which is I like the idea of the Vatican. I like the idea of a secret library in the Vatican. I like the connection with CERN. I mm. liked mm. the portals to different places. I tell you what I always really enjoy, whether it's any good or not, is a good investigation into some ancient thing that yeah. has suddenly become relevant. Which briefly, I wondered what they, that's what they were going to do with the pyramid story. Because mm. again, you've got the pyramid, you've yeah. got the lab, yeah. but they never connected. And mm. they, it wasn't a pyramid in the end. They said this is an ancient pyramid, but nothing happened to that. Mm. So Extremis was more satisfying. I know. Mm. Also, had that really nice thing about it being all about belief, and it starts with religion. Mm. Mm. And so it was, you know, it wasn't as disconnected the two ideas as they seemed. It was like a a coin. The episode started on one side and gradually worked its way around to yeah. the other. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about, Matt? Um. Well. Uh, d- I'd, I'd like to recommend people watch Twin Peaks. So what I'd like to I'd like to recommend people first of all watch not the whole of the original of Twin Peaks, but the first eight episodes of the original and the final episode. Watch Firewalk with Me, which is a really frightening horror movie. So if you're 12 years old, I would definitely recommend watching Firewalk with Me, <laughs> and then watching the new series of Twin Peaks. Is it Firewalk with Me or is it Firewalk with Me? Firewalk with Me. Uh, Twin Peaks, colon, Firewalk With Me. So it's Firewalk. No, I'm asking no, if it's Fire... Fire, fire Space, Walk, Space, fire. With, Space, Me. Fire. It's like being in the room where I am. Not Firewalk With Me. So Fire, fire. and Walk fire. With Me are two separate ideas. It's asking Fire to walk with me. Oh, is it? Right, yeah. that's what I'm asking. It's addressing Fire and <laughs> asking okay. to fire. So well, if, if, you, if you... That is a very odd thing to do, address Fire... My suggestion is, if you like if you like David Lynch, then the new Twin Peaks is, I thought, better than the old Twin Peaks, and it takes wow. it takes a Razorhead, it takes Lost Highway, it takes Mulholland Drive, and it takes bits of Blue Velvet, and combines it, mashes it together with the original Twin Peaks concept. If you don't like David Lynch, Jr. I got into J- David Lynch watching the original Twin Peaks, which is kind of like a soft entry into David Lynch land. Yeah. I was more of a fan of the soundtrack than the programme, if I remember right. The, the sound, so, so the whole appeal for me of David Lynch is he's an artist, a photographer, but also a sound engineer. Mm. So he creates these soundscapes. And this, these four episodes I've watched, unlike the original series of Twin Peaks, they're entirely David Lynch directed and David Lynch mm. Mark Frost written and David Lynch isn't great at plots is Angelo A to ba- B to C plots is Angelo Badalamenti but yes mm. but his music there's not a lot of his music his music's there but not constant like no, it was in no. the original series there's also bits of German thrash metal in it as well which he used in Lost Highway but it's the it's not just the soundtrack it's the 
it's the noises that he uses, the crackling electricity, the creaks, mm. the sort of the humming. He's, he's great at using, it's a bit like William Friedkin in The Exorcist. He's great at using sound to create tension. Mm. Mm. But the whole thing is just, I mean, it's just Lynch's imagination run riot. There's um, one stage, a character is stranded in a nether place on a metal box in space. And inside the box is is bigger on the inside than on the outside. And it's a series of purple rooms <laughs> with a fireplace and an electrical item on the wall that might prove to be a portal into the real world and ends up coming out of an electrical socket in the real world. So that's that's the kind of the Lynch imagination. And if you can if you can take it Sounds it's, great already. It's frightening. It's funny. It's very, very weird. <laughs> and that's what that's my review of the, of the new the new Twin Peaks. Everybody needs a bit of weird in them now and again. Don't start off if you don't know David Lynch, don't start off with a razor head. Don't start off with Lost Highway. Don't start off with Blue Velvet. I would start off with the first few episodes of Twin Peaks. Mm. Ease yourself in. Well, it's about deca- It's about. This sounds pretentious, but it's about learning how to watch it. I think it's about learning how to decode David Lynch. Once you once you get your head around what he's doing and the symbolism, and the fact that he's he's actually a classical surrealist. He's not just it's not just surrealism with a small s. He's actually he's actually Dali on film. He uses textures, yeah. and it's about. I hate Dali as well, but I think Lynch is better than Dali because <laughs> Lynch is about sound, sound textures and physical textures and also plot textures as well. Yeah, I like the lobster phone. That's good, isn't that? Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Dali. But for me, for me, Lynch, watching Lynch is usually it's like dreaming. So he's got that, he's got that way of producing films that are like dreaming. And when he wants to, it can be like having a nightmare. It's quite immersive. And that's how he moves between the, mm. the, the thing, the, the pacing. That's how he paces his drama. He goes from dream to nightmare to dream to nightmare. Mm. And no other, no other filmmaker... I mean, you have to go to people like Fellini or Tarkovsky or Kubrick... To, to right. find filmmakers, shut up now. To find filmmakers who can actually, <laughs> who can actually. Equal I said that. you could have thirty-five seconds yeah. if Lee had and he's seen make, it. He's you made a Kubrick in the same uh, sentence. That's and he's making a tele, he's making yeah. a television series, eighteen episodes, which is effectively one movie. He's made it as one movie. It's not episodic TV anymore. This is like, mm. this is like, eighteen hour, well, eighteen forty-minute long chunks of a movie. Right, there's a general election in a few days' time. I recommend everybody who listens to this podcast who lives in the UK and can vote in the general election goes on a website. I don't know what the website's called, but it's easy enough to Google where you look and you see. We don't even have to go on a website to do it. You should know. If your constituency is a two-hander constituency where a vote for Labour would be a vote for the Conservatives because the Lib Dems are the only real opposition in that constituency or vice versa or any permutation of those things. If you don't want to see the Conservatives in power next time, don't vote for who your heart tells you to vote for. 
but use your vote wisely because a vote for a party that cannot win a seat in any constituency is a wasted vote if change is what you want. That's as much as I'll say on the general election. Next week we'll be back to talk about Toby Whithouse's episode, but until then, I was JR. I was Matt. I was Lee. I was Simon. And we'll speak again soon. anybody has anything they want to add I don't mind Theresa May is the monster waving Mooney Pie still going no no they folded he died did he die it was rebranded as UKIP and then it's just (laughs) it's just slowly fading away (laughs) did he not die though he did didn't he Lord Such yeah he did yeah yeah and And funnily enough there wasn't like a a big, a big leadership election to try and replace him. <laughs> <laughs> Some monster Raven Looney Park. Well, you know, they may have found somebody from somewhere. The others all did. Well, UKIP hasn't really. Well, no, but they had at the time. Yeah, yeah.